Social Media Serenity Podcast Episode Number 90. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. everybody and welcome back to another episode of social media serenity my name is cliff ravenscraft and my name is eric fisher and this i promise is the first time we've recorded this intro yes definitely not (laughs) hey this is a podcast devoted to all things social media whether it be twitter facebook or anything else just getting together and hanging out online building relationships extending our brands getting more comments on facebook than we've ever gotten before and all that other good jazz. Amen. Amen. Good job. All right. So anyway, Eric Fisher, what is going on, my friend? I understand that you had a good week in social media. I did. Well, uh, let me, I'm going to frame this. No, I'm not. I'm just going to tell the story. Forget that. <laughs> Who needs context? Um, <laughs> I, I had the most liked and commented on item I've ever had on Facebook yesterday. And tell me about it. What, what, first and foremost, what is what what was the actual post that you put onto Facebook? Well, what I put was that it's a boy. Ah, yes. And put up a picture, and it points, and it says boy. I mean, <laughs> no, literally, <laughs> literally, it points. Yes. <laughs> 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 All right. So, so, so basically I understand. I, I, you know, the funny thing is, is for some reason I didn't even see that tweet yesterday, but Stephanie told me about it and she told me that, you know, she, she was t- speaking out loud as she was tweeting it back to you or tweeting back to you mm-hmm. something about like, he's, he's not going or to be happy with you one of these days or something else. But, um, yeah, yeah. But there's something, I guess she said about putting his winky online or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think I responded and sent something like, well, I'll just tag him in the photo. One, I'll threaten to tag him in the photo once he's old enough where it would be a punishment. <laughs> there you <laughs> so. go. All right. So so how many, you know, now you said on Facebook and Twitter or just Facebook? Um, to be To be honest, when I tweeted it, I hardly got any response. Okay. Because, because of the time of day that it was. It was right during lunchtime. Right. Uh, but on Facebook, once a few people liked it or commented, and they were connected or not with other people that had done so, the, just the stickiness and the threaded comments factor to it made it huge. I mean, I got like something up where up near like sixty four likes and like forty five something comments. So, so I'm going to title this episode "Most Comments Ever on Facebook." Cool. All right, so here's here's my question, and I know that I prepared for you this for this uh, just uh, before we started hit and record here. Um, I can't talk today. Have you ever had that problem where you should be doing one thing, but you're doing another, and then all of a sudden you can't talk straight? Yes. Yeah, I do that a lot. Anyway, um, my question is, do you think that you could fabricate a, a status update that will generate lots of interaction? Or do you think these things just have to naturally happen? Um, I think it can be fabricated. I do think that partially the visual was very much a standout item that it was, this, you know, a sonic <laughs> that. Wow. Wow. There's your context. Um, 
the visual of a of a, an ultrasound picture when you pass that on Facebook when you're scrolling through the feed you know what the story is already right you know that it's baby related you're like and it, it strikes an emotional response and so right there that's very very much so especially with family they'd be like oh, it's there and then if you you write a very brief you know description of what's going on and then they just it's a quick like or it's a quick oh, Great, congratulations, you know, I think you should name it this and all that. I mean, that's very much a human interest, but, you know, for for family members, I mean, especially for the family members, like I wasn't even, I mean, I didn't try to get anybody to go do anything. It was, for me, to be honest, it's been six years, almost seven years since our daughter was born. And back then, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Twitter to spread news like this quickly. It was phone call after phone call after phone call. And we did prioritize and do like three phone calls to the people who uh, needed to know before everyone else, as well as who don't have Facebook because they're old. Because they're old. <laughs> but Let's just put uh, that out there. And, and what's weird is that uh, my, my mom, she, I tried calling her three or four times and couldn't get a hold of her because she was at work. And I said, all right, well, check Facebook later. It'll be there. And that was okay for her because she checks it that often. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, all that to say this, that like, for example, I know that our, our, well, my daughter and your youngest daughter are very close in age and you didn't have anything to any way like this to, to tell people about, you know, Hey, we're expecting, or Hey, it's a boy or a girl or Hey, they're born and here's pictures, you know, oh, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you. Well, blogging. Yeah, I had blogging, and I was live. Matter of fact, I live blogged the birth of McKenna. All right. Well, but <laughs> how many? But how much more connected now are we that everybody's on Facebook versus that, no, that, how that, many people would connect to your blog and go visit it? You know what I mean? I was a unique situa- in a unique situation where we had already built you know thousands and thousands of subscribers to our podcast who had been. Well, actually, wait a second. Oh, no, that was before that. It was. Oh my gosh. That's what I'm saying. There's, there's a definite no. shift. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. We, I, for some, I guess it was, it was mostly just blog people then. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, you're right. You're so, right. So that was hitting me yesterday as I was like, as my wife and I went and sat down at for lunch after we uh, had done gotten all the news and everything we're sitting there at lunch and using my phone and we plugged in all the info and posted to both our facebook pages and um it just hits me i'm like this is so weird and it's so different from last time yeah yeah so in a good way technology making our lives easy and better yeah supposedly right Oh, yeah. Well, in this case, yes. In this case, absolutely. So um, here's the situation. Stephanie and I were talking on the way back. We were, you know, we were talking about technology and and how we use it and and stuff like that. And she keeps saying, you know, I'm just a geek by association. And if it wasn't for you setting me up for these things and blah, blah, blah. And and she was talking about Twitter and Facebook and, and stuff like that. And she is she's very avid on Twitter. In fact, you did get a comment from her on Twitter. And, you know, obviously you don't see I'm looking at your status update with the sonogram picture here. And and there's not a single, you know, comment on Facebook from Stephanie, which is not surprising. It's just not her right. thing. But uh, she she interacts with people there uh, on on Twitter all the time. And here's what we came down to. It's kind of like Facebook is for that content that, you know, can just it it stands the test of time a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. where you're putting something out right now that, to be honest with you, if, if people don't get this until four or five, six, seven hours later, not a big deal. 
Whereas Twitter is more like, you know, hey, this is immediate for immediate release here. You know, this is real time communication. And those, mm-hmm. you know, the more I think about it, of course, I'm tra- always trying to find, you know, what are some distinctive differences between the ways I interact? Because I interact on both platforms. I interact with people on Facebook, but I certainly lean more towards Twitter. And what I love about Twitter is is real-time conversation. Right. And on Facebook, it it is more of, it's almost like Facebook's like, it reminds me of a, it, a, a, a forum being like on an online forum that everything can kind of be time. Uh, what's the word? Um, shifted. Yes. Thank you. Time shifted. Uh, and so you can have ongoing conversations in a time shifted format. So it's like being on the, it's like being on an, on a user forum with, where basically there are, you know, what, six, 700 million other users. Okay. And yeah, Twitter, definitely. however, is like being on like a huge instant chat session where, you know, pretty much once you've chatted, that kind of, you know, dies off after a while. And, and and can you go back and find stuff? Yeah. Is it easy? Not if people are connected to a lot of people, whereas it doesn't matter how many people I am. I'm connected to thousands of people on Facebook, but it's really cool how easy it is for me to follow a select group of people. And I know that Twitter has tried to do this with lists, but I have still not employed lists enough in my Oh own yeah, life. me either. You know, cause one matter of fact, here, here's the situation. Let's talk about this for a second. Um, one of the things that I've got going on, you and I have talked about, you know, we're very cautious about who we follow. At least I am. Are you mm-hmm. still? Yeah. And I've, I kind of, I let it expand and then I, let that go for a while and then I go back through and contract it down to a specific group again. Yeah. It it comes in waves. Well, I'm up to following 613 people now and I will tell you that I'm starting to follow people that to be honest with you, I do want to follow. I I do want to follow, but I'm starting to, there, there are times when I kind of miss when I only followed 300 people. You know, because that group of 300 people, when I checked my Twitter timeline, it was like, oh, yeah, I really I'm interested in this. Whereas mm-hmm. now, occasionally I find myself having to unfollow somebody just because, you know, it's just like there's 15 tweets in a row from that person because they're participating in some kind of thing. And occasionally, you know, I'll run into, you know, a couple F bombs here and there. And it's like, you know what, Th- this isn't the type of stuff I want to follow, but I don't necessarily want to completely alienate them because I have had some interaction with them and I would like to build a relationship with those people. But right now they're more annoying to me in the timeline <laughs> than, than what I like. Does it ha- do, do you ever feel that way? I totally feel that way. In fact, I'll, that's going to be touched on again in our next episode. Oh, very cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause we're going to talk about uh, what the uh, going to conferences and stuff. Yes. Live events and, Awesome. Using social media. But here's what here's what I'm thinking. All right. I've got 613 people and that my and this is just how OCD I am. So I could probably do this. But tell me what you think about this idea. I've been thinking about going through and tagging every follow, follower and basically creating a bunch of different groups like, you know, GSPN, uh, peop, you know, uh, new media people I follow or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, and breaking them down into groups, into lists, and then actually actually creating lists first and then going through my 613 people and apply them to the various lists that they belong to. 
And then from that point forward, I could actually take that approach of, you know what, anybody that I find on Twitter that that has connected with me and I connect with them, you know, regardless of all the other stuff that I've had as filters, I'm just going to go ahead and follow them and I'm going to apply them to the appropriate list. From each new, so each new follow that you apply, you're going to add list yeah. listings to them at that point. Yeah. So for example, yeah. I'm, I'm getting ready to go to blog world, right? And, and so once I go to blog world, I'm thinking, you know, I'll probably meet a, as many as a hundred to 200 new people that I may want to over the course of the next couple of years, get to know, but it's, it's not going to be an immediate thing. And if I follow all two or 300 new people that I meet and stuff like that over the course of the, of the next week, then I'm not sure how I'm going to handle that situation with, you know, another 300 people in my, in my timeline. Cause mm-hmm. right now I really don't have a relationship with them. And there are sometimes I only want to look at Twitter and see the timeline that has updates from people that I have a, an existing relationship with. And so maybe if I create a, you know, and maybe it's even a private list so that people don't know if they're on it or not. But, right. you know, this is my real this. The, these are the people I follow. This is your real timeline. This is my real timeline. And that actually could go down to that two or three hundred people. Yeah. And then for, instead of looking at my main timeline all the time, I always pull up that list to kind of check in and see what's going on with people. Yeah. Th- to be honest, there was a point in time where I actually did just that. And I think that I screwed it up over time and I need to just get back to it. Hmm. Well, so I'm, I'm thinking for me, this, this would be somewhere around a, you know, a three or four hour project, but I happen to know that I'll be in New York city and <laughs> bored uh, in my hotel room late or the night, airports or the airports. So, uh, so who knows? Anyway, I, I just, I just wanted to share that. I, I, no, I like that. It's something that I've been thinking about because you know, I know that a lot. There's a lot of people who have filters like you and I do, and they won't follow people who don't follow them back. And well, if my fo- if my philosophy is that I don't follow you unless you meet these criteria, then you're not going to follow me, and then I'm losing out. Am I losing out on the ability to, you know, to get to know them and 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 to, for them to follow what I'm doing? I mean, who knows? They they might not be interested in me because they don't know me very well. But if 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 I got through their filter, they might become interested in me. Does that make sense? Yeah, and so I think what you're saying is, is even if you're not going to outright, are you going to have people where you won't follow them per se, but you'll have them in a list because you're interested? Like maybe create a list where, hey, these are, make it a private list mm-hmm. and name it something like, considering following and then you can see the what they do or don't do without having to literally follow them first. No, I'm actually no, I'm actually saying the opposite of that. I'm saying that I will follow them, but you know, I, I will follow them because I know that for so many people, including myself, that that one of the criteria of whether or not I choose to follow you is are you following me? Okay. And so, and so it's kind of like you know, we're we're at a stalemate, you know? It's like I right. you know, I'm not it's like Eric, I'm not going to follow you unless you follow me. And it's like you saying, "Cliff, I'm not going to follow you unless you follow me." And so here's the deal, you and I'll never follow each other. Right. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. So so actually what you're saying is you're going to actually pay less attention to curating your specific list of who you're following, the 600 whatever, 
because I know at one point it was at least double that or more, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you're going to forget about that as being your timeline of people and just follow anybody that you're interested in following at some point, now or future. But as you follow them, you'll mark them in a list, whether that's your core new timeline list or whatever else you want to, what other metadata you want to attach to them. Is that what you're saying? Yep, that's exactly what I'm okay. saying. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically less time curating who I follow, more time curating what list I put people on so that I can actually follow the list that I want to follow at any given point in time. So it's less time, it's less time spent on who you follow and more time spent on why you're following them. It, that's exactly right. And so here, here's what I'm thinking. It's like I, one of the lists I would create is people I met at Blog World. And I will follow every single person I meet at, at Blog World mm-hmm. because I know a lot of those people wouldn't follow me unless I'm following them. So I, you know, let's just say I meet 500 people at Blog World next week. All right. So I will follow all 500 of them and all 500 of them will go into my people I met at Blog World, um, you know, uh, list. list. But some of those 500 will actually go into other lists such as, you know, my, which will be a private secret list of, you know, here, here's eight people that I met at Blog World that I actually want to be a part of the people that I see everything that's going on along with all the other people I really want to know everything that's going on with. And, right. I, and so they're going to be in that, you know, this private list called this is my main timeline or my private timeline list. Yeah. And uh, Walter in our chat room says, he says, I still don't agree with follow me or I won't follow you philosophy. And that's fine. It, it, you don't have to agree with it. It's, it's well, just and the we're way not a even lot saying people that's are. what we're doing. No. We're saying acknowledge, acknowledge that there are people out there who, who that is their philosophy, but that we still want to connect with. And so in order to connect with them, we can't just reply. They will never follow us even if we're fo- no, even if I respond to like if I put them in a list because uh-huh. I want to see their stuff, but I don't follow them mm-hmm. uh, to have them in my timeline. Um, where is I going with this? Oh, so the, I have them in a list, and I see their stuff, and I even interact with them. They'll still never follow me if they look and see. Oh, he's not following me, even though he's reacting to my tweets. Yeah, the, and the, you know what I mean. Yeah, the reality is there are a lot of people like that, and I have to admit, though, Eric, that that, that one of my criteria in deciding whether or not I follow somebody is do they follow me? Now, are there people that I follow that don't follow me? Yes, there are. There, so so. I'm not I'm not strict on this policy, but in my mind it is a criteria. It's like, does this person follow me? You know, it you know, it, I, I don't know why it's important, but for me, somewhere deep inside, it's like that that's a factor. It, it yeah. it's not it's not the overall factor. There are some times where it's like, you know what, I don't care if this person follows me, I'm definitely following this person because I want to get to know them better. You know, and and and, and here's the situation. He, if I'm following somebody, I would love to, uh, I would love to have them follow me. I love anonymous four two zero one. He says it's called snob appeal, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to sex appeal. It's like you know. So yes, we're all. It's, there we go. Manage. Here's a. Here, how about this for a title? Managing our snob appeal. There you go. <laughs> I love I like that. that. I like that a lot. That is awesome. All right. So. New title. All right. Why don't we get into the actual real 
uh, meat of what we're supposed hey, to cover. I have in this one show. more comment. Okay, I want to say ahead. one more thing. Yes. Um, when I do go through and curate my who I'm following, my timeline, I go and I use an app called Manage Flitter, and it'll show me everybody that I'm following that's not following me back. And to be honest, I do use that as a first wave guide to see, okay, who am I following that's not following me back? And also then look through there and see who of those people that aren't following me back, I'm not interacting with and they're not interacting with me and maybe haven't had any content that I felt has had any value to me. Right. So there's like three different criteria there. It's just that one of them is, it's just I'm grouping them by one major one first. Not that it has the most weight. Does that make sense? Yep. So... Absolutely. Hey, so the very first thing that I see here is that you have a thing called Buffer App on the show notes, and I think I saw something online about this. Yes. So tell me a little bit about Buffer App. Well, this kind of ties into what we were talking about a little bit earlier, where uh, because of the way stuff can stick around longer on Facebook, that's how you get more, you know, you get lots of traction there and people will see it and interact with it, and then it gains more momentum and weight and, you know, stickiness, whatever. On Twitter, and like we said, on Twitter, you put it out, and if it just zooms by and nobody sees it, well, it's it's still there, but it's gone. People aren't going to see it if it's five hours later. Right. So, I am not a huge person for scheduling tweets. However, there are times where I don't want, I've got like five cool tweets and it's cool things that I know like people that follow me will really like, but I'm not going to send all five of them out all at once because that's going to flood somebody. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So within that context, I thought to myself, well, and I, I stumbled across this like late last week, early, early this week, whatever. And it's called Buffer. And what it is, I love the name. That's a buffer between your tweets. And you can set up the specific... Um, I'll call them slots, time slots for when you drop tweets in. So it already beat out Hootsuite for me where if I'm if I see something in an RSS feed and I click the link and I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I want to share it. But if I shoot this out right now at 2 a.m., no one will see it. Not that I'm up at 2 a.m. But anyway, um, why don't I have this go out later? Well, one of my slots is uh, like 9.30 a.m. the next morning. And so I drop it in there. Boom, it's already in there. It's ready to go. And now here's the thing. I know people are, some people would think, um, well, that's just scheduling tweets and why would you not just send it out? Or, you know, well, there's a reason for that because there are highly trafficked times of Twitter where more people are going to see it. And uh, if you're familiar at all with HubSpot, there's a guy there called Dan Zarella who's done multiple webinars on the science of timing and tweets and Facebook and Twitter and all that about when your optimal times are for people to see things like this. And by, by creating my slots with those specific times in mind, so I've got one at like 9.30, another at like 10.45, and then I wait until like 2.30 or 3, and then one more late in the evening, that then the stuff actually gets seen. Mm-hmm. versus five of them go all five to 10 tweets all at once. Boom. And then nobody comments on it. Now here's what I've learned. It's got analytics built in. I can see how many people have clicked on the tweets. I can see how many retweets they've gotten. And I've also, so I've seen, you know, that specific times that I've selected as my slots, 
are having much more of an impact that people actually interact with the content as well as I actually look and see at the app mentions and the retweets in my, you know, Twitter application. And I've gotten so much more, you know, wow, this is really cool. And then I start interacting with that person about that piece of content, whether it's mine or not. Um, and what's the other piece? So anyway, that's, I've had a huge success. I've gotten more retweets and more app mentions uh, in this past week than I have in like months based on strategically staggering these, having these slots set up and like, Ooh, that's a cool piece of content, whether it's mine or somebody else's and dropping it in those slots. Okay. So I've got a couple questions here. If I, let's just say, I know that I have eight things that I want to say today. Okay. Um, how does it do that? So basically I, I type in the eight things and hit, you know, one thing and then hit add to buffer, hit, add another one, hit add to buffer, yep. add another one, hit, add to buffer. So if if I do that right now, it's 10 o'clock and it says that my, my tweets are sent out at 9 a.m., 11.55, 4.58, and 8.03 p.m. Yes. All right. So let's just say the next time is 11.55 a.m. So do all eight tweets go out at 11.55 a.m.? No. Or does it start at 11.55 a.m. and then buffer them for a few minutes out throughout that time period? Or does it do one at 11.55 and one at 4.58? Yeah, it's one tweet per time slot. Okay, so it's one tweet per time slot. Now here's now now here's where the word buffer comes in for me, and this is what I would love to know if it does, and hopefully they've thought of this. All right, so let's just say uh, my buffer time is at what'd you say? Not, yours is at nine thirty. Yeah. Okay, so your buffer time is at nine thirty, but at nine thirty, so you've already at two o'clock in the morning, you you've already set one to go out at nine thirty. But at, sure. but at 930, you're actually on Twitter and you see something and you're like, oh my gosh, this has to go out and boom, you send it out live. But then, you know, buffer at 930, you know, 26 seconds after you sent that one, boom, sends out the, the, the buffered uh, pre-released message. So my question, is it smart enough to see that, wait a second, uh, I know you've got me set up to do this at 9.30, but at 9.29, you just sent out a message, and I see that there's one existing already in your timeline. I'm going to create at least a five or 10-minute buffer and and send this out in 10 minutes. It's not smart enough to do that right now. They are taking suggestions, but what I would do in that case was I would be aware of the fact that, oh, nine th- what time is it? Oh, it's 9.30. What I would do is actually shoot that tweet into buffer and move it to the top of the queue, bumping the next one down to the next slot. Right. So see, see that. So in my mind, this very much is like scheduled tweets. So right for right now, it sounds to me it's scheduled tweets. Now the thing is, is rather than in Hootsuite where I have to actually go in and tell it what time to tweet it's automatically going to fill in at one of the buffered times that's preset. And I know that you can add several ones and stuff like that. But man, I tell you, and I know that the folks at Buffer are going to be listening to this because they've been following you closely as you've been referring other people to the service. So if if somebody at Buffer is listening, here's my thought on this. I've, I personally love the idea of buffering tweets. I love the idea of saying, you know what? No matter how much you how much you have to say and how little time you have right now to spend on Twitter, go ahead and throw all the tweets in there 
And here's what we'll do. Our service will make sure that no matter if you put, even though you have some scheduled tweets to go out, we'll, you can go in and create a setting and say, never let any tweets go out of this service that would be within 10 minutes of another tweet that's on my account. See, that's, that's great. That's the kind of feedback that I think would make this service even better than it already is. That, and, and then it would live, in my mind, it would live up to the real word of buffer. Oh, sure. You know, well, it's, it's them automating the buffer versus you manually creating the buffer. Exactly. I don't mind the man. Matter of fact, I like the idea of manually creating a buffer and, and choosing to send it out. But man, I hate the idea of, of, you know, the, the whole idea that this might, that I have to keep in mind. It's like, Oh, you know what? I have eight buffer times. Does this tweet that I'm sending out right now, is this going to send out two tweets immediately back to back? Um, you know, to my followers. Right. So that, that's my initial feedback. Otherwise I want to say this, I, since we've been talking, I just now signed up for a free account. Uh, and I am looking at the site. The site is beautiful. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. there's, there's just something about a site that is designed. Well, it has the Mac color scheme. Oh yeah. Yeah. Black, gray, and light gray. (laughs) This thing, it, it is a beautiful looking site. Um, and, uh, I may even take a look at it further. So there you go. Uh, buffer, is it bufferapp.com? Mm-hmm. So there you go, my friends, bufferapp.com. All right. LinkedIn, the owner of LinkedIn is set to what? Receive 870 odd million dollars or something <laughs> on Thursday. <laughs> today. Or today. They have yeah, uh, t- 274 million that they're raising. And, uh, so They'll, they'll they will begin trading on the New York Stock Exchange. That is amazing. So, and they beat out, well. And to be honest, LinkedIn older than Facebook, older than Twitter. Yeah. So, Uh-oh. Hold on, Eric. Are you there? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna pause. We're back. Okay. <laughs> that was odd. I don't know what happened. All right. So, so say that again. Uh, the, you know, I heard LinkedIn older than Facebook, older than MySpace. So, so what is it you were saying? Yeah. LinkedIn is really one of the very first social networks. Mm-hmm. I, it may not be as big as the others, but it also has actually more purpose, spe- specified purpose, I should say, than the others where it's, you know, it's made its niche as the professional social network. The network, the social networking network, so to speak. Uh, but they're going to begin being traded. They will be public, and you can buy LinkedIn stock. And to be honest, I would consider buying some. You know what? There, there's no doubt that it would be a good, uh, it would be a good investment. I believe because the, I mean, I can't see this network going any lower. And it's just now, you know, with the just now launching, I think it would be a good time to buy stock in this company. And the other thing is, is that it makes sense because the, we talked about, um, in episode 57, uh, the power of LinkedIn and I had, uh, Justin Lucas Savage come on. Now he makes powerful use of, um, of LinkedIn. I personally do not. I, I have an account on there. I'm, you know, I continue to maintain a presence and stuff like that. I, I really feel like LinkedIn's value is for, if you're looking to network with people to make sure that, you know, if you're looking for a job or if you're looking to exchange, you know, business to business kind of relationships and and services to one another and to look for services and for people to find you as a service provider and stuff like that. And and I, I, I 
I'm thankful right now that I'm so busy right now that at this moment, I, I'm just not interested in seeking out a lot of new business. But man, mm-hmm. after episode 57 of Social Media Serenity, I'm like, wow, the, this this is a powerful tool. And when you think about the average user and, and the average income of the average user of LinkedIn, it's just, yeah, it, it's a gold mine. And I think that that it's worth every penny that people are are investing in it at this moment in time. And I think it is going to go up. Yeah. And it, again, anybody is listening, if you haven't gone back and listened to that episode specifically on LinkedIn, um, Justin has some great stuff in that episode. It, matter of fact, yeah, there, there's no doubt. Um, it's episode 57. I'll put a link to it in our show notes. So just go to socialmediaserenity.com and, and I'm sure you're listening to this. Most people are listening to this closer to episode number 90. So it'll be closer to the top. Look for episode 90. Look in the show notes and there'll be a link to episode 57 and go back and listen to that. Um, it almost convinced me that I needed to immediately take action and start creating a LinkedIn strategy. But uh, the cool thing is, is I know it's in the archives. And so one day in the future when I'm ready to actually create that strategy, then I'll go back and listen to it again. Yeah. Cool. All right. So those Winklevosses are back. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> They're going to the Supreme Court this time. Uh, so I guess basically they keep getting all kinds of issues uh, with not w- getting as much money as they think that they deserve from Facebook well, and they settled at one point. So seriously, if you settle, I consider the issue to be settled. You know what I mean? Yeah, how can you actually... If you decide to actually settle, you took the money. Now run. Well, you know, and before I say anything further, let me just go back and say one thing. Uh, please understand that I have no intentions of giving you guys stock advice. So if you invest all your retirement <laughs> into LinkedIn and they go belly up, please understand I am not a financial expert. And so it, so please understand uh, no, that was not my intention to to tell you where to go invest your money. But uh, right. So put it, in fa- put it in Facebook. There you go. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so the Supreme Court, though, I mean, this, this is a big deal. Now, how is it that that somebody could commit a murder and be tried for it? be found not guilty, and then never be allowed to be be uh, up for trial again. It's called double indemnity, right? Something like that, so yeah. So how, how is it somebody who has murdered somebody, who went through through this process, has double jeopardy, thank you, uh, not indemnity, so double jeopardy. So how is it that somebody can never be uh, tried again for this murder, even though there is now irrefutable evidence that's been brought forward. But now this person's already been tried and it's done. You can't do it again. But here, the Wekovosses can settle and they can still sue for more. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. They, the lawsuit, their original lawsuit started in 04 and there was, they settled in 08 uh, in a deal worth 200 million today. And so, and then now they're trying to rescind the settlement, whatever that means. I don't understand the law. Here, you know what? Here's what I think would be fair. All right. I, let, let me just, and of course, this this has no bearing on anything. <laughs> Who cares what Cliff thinks, right? In Cliff's book of law. Here's Cliff's book of law, okay? Here's the situation. I will, if I were in the Supreme Court, I would say this. We will allow this. All right. We will take, we will hear your case. We will try this case. We will start it over brand new. Here's the situation, though. The agreement that you made with Mark Zuckerberg, the you know the the settlement that you had, 
it's gone. It does not exist anymore. In fact, any money that has already been paid to you, you owe all of it back. All right? You you completely, it was a loan and you owe it with interest. You owe it with interest to Mark, to Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. All right? And if you win, then you win, right? But if you lose, you not only lose this additional case, but you lose that settlement plus interest. You have to pay it back. Yeah. Hmm. I, I I love the anonymous. Now 40. that's double jeopardy. I, I love anonymous forty two oh four. He says it's way more complicated than you might think. Now I trust me. I don't even think about it. it I'm, and I could care less to be honest with you. But um, in my opinion, I think it's like you know what? Go for go for it, Winklevosses. But the question is, is I think you I think that they should put up their 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 previous settlement for. If if they really believe that they're owed that much money, yeah. Well, and this isn't the first time that they've. Oh, I know. Done the appeal. I mean, December of last year, the ninth court of appeals ruled the settlement would stand, and it's like they now want to back out. I don't get it. But I, I just don't understand having two hundred million dollars and not having to run Facebook and have, face all the the management and leadership of Facebook and all this other stuff. I just don't understand how you get two hundred million dollars and you still think you need more. Yeah, well, I mean, it. it they, th- I guess, they think it's probably a matter of principle or something. But seriously, there's two of you. There's two hundred million. You get a hundred million apiece. Go start a new thing. Yeah. Well, that it, it's at easy. this point, of course, it's easy for us to say that. But <laughs> you know, if, if Facebook was really our idea, would we let it go? Mm, I just don't think I would have settled. I don't I, know. I don't think I, I would have settled. I, that's yeah. That's the thing. If it truly was my idea, I, I would never have settled. Yeah. I don't know. Or at least driven the settlement up. <laughs> we, to be honest with you, I know nothing about it, and, and no. other other than what the book, uh, the accidental billionaire, and the movie, uh, the Social Network taught me. That's as much as I know about this story, honestly, and and it's all I care to know. And so at this point, I'm just sharing, you know, unsubstantiated, you know, opinions. And so who cares? It's, yeah, it is what it is. Winklevoss is good. More power to you. Um, is this going to be like the? I mean, the o, the OJ trial wasn't Supreme Court, was it? I mean, that was just. Some, I don't. That was, I don't think it was. But yeah. here's the thing: it actually says that in the article that the Supreme Court only hears about five percent of the cases that come to them, and usually only when it's a matter of like constitutional, yeah, merit. And this is not. So it's probably going to be done. Uh, so, so the story is that they're trying to take it to the Supreme Court. Yeah, they're trying to. Uh, that it's actually going to be heard by the Supreme Court, I, I highly doubt it. <laughs> I think it's they, funny. They don't have time to waste on that uh, <laughs> when they only hear 5%. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, Facebook launches non-profit, re- non-profit resource center. What's this? Um, yeah, I thought I'd throw that out there just as a quick blurb that there is a really cool place to gather... Um, tools and utilities to show uh, for training purposes, like for me example, because uh, I work at a nonprofit, uh, even to university. And um, they, it's got a lot, I mean, if you go to the link, it's just, it's it's on Facebook and it's Facebook talking about, here's what a group is, here's what this is, here's, here's how you leverage this, here's how you do like a poll, all that kind of stuff, but all in one place. Awesome. So it's actually a pretty cool little, you know, microsite that you can go in and, and grab everything you need to to show people how to use Facebook and Twitter and or not fit Twitter. It's Facebook. Duh. Anyway, 
There you go. Awesome. So, and of course, we'll put that. It's a, it's the Facebook Nonprofit Resource Center, and we'll have a link to that in episode 90 of our show notes as well. Hey, Eric, I'll tell you what. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Um, we're not going to have a live show next week. Just want to let everybody know that. Uh, but we will be in your RSS feed with a new show. We're going to talk about uh, connecting with other people at live events or something like that, right? Yeah, all that kind of stuff. It'll be while you're at Blog World or on your way back. I'll be at a live event interacting with people. So we're going to talk about that and hopefully uh, give me some tips on how to effectively uh, manage my social media while I'm away. Folks, thank you for tuning in. Until next week, we encourage you to join the community. Join the community.